talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 258th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's up for the week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, bizarre news items, and event of the week that I covered. Also, we will be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, with whom we will delve deeply into college football. Well, before I get started with our highlights and whatnot, uh, seismic breaking sports news here in New England, where the Patriots have just traded within the past half hour, linebacker Jamie Collins, uh, to the Cleveland Browns for a compensatory third-round draft pick. Uh, stunning, especially if you live up here in New England. Jamie Collins was, at minimum, a freakish, unique player, uh, maybe best known for leaping the line of scrimmage before the Seahawks started doing it, uh, to block kicks. He's that good. Uh, and he was a tall, rangy linebacker with speed, so he could cover tight ends, wide receivers, backs out of the backfield, you name it. He did it. And it is just, again, shocking news, uh, to say the least. Um, what it tells me right off the bat is that there's been a lot of debate as to who they were going to pay with expiring contracts for him this year, at the end of this year, as well as Dante Hightower, who, of course, we have featured recently on our show uh, with my having attended his charity event a couple weeks ago and uh, the night after he was named AFC Defensive Player of the Week. So in my mind, what this is really perhaps most about is that uh, – you know, they made their choice. They were keeping Dante Hightower. Uh, he is a team captain. And let's not forget, he's the one who tackled Marshawn Lynch at the goal line on the play before the Malcolm Butler interception at the uh, goal line in the Super Bowl against the Seahawks. So uh, Dante Hightower has already built up quite a resume, but so did Jamie Collins. So it's just a shocker. Let's also, uh, the trade deadline is tomorrow, so if you're asking why now, that's the why now. And the last thing would be, uh, interestingly, you know, the Patriots traded for Barkevius Mingo from the Browns uh, just a while back, and Collins is a player similar to Mingo, so both, you know tall, rangy, athletic linebacker slash defensive end types. So uh, that could have something to do with it. 
also, I, I, by that I mean maybe the Browns wanted to trade or wanted to replace Mingo, have that same type of player. But also it just tells me that, you know, the Patriots and Browns have already dealt with each other in a trade recently. So, uh, as always, the Patriots are never boring. They do what they want when they want, and uh, they don't worry about what anybody says or thinks, and, you know, more power to them. That's why they are what they are. Anyway, moving on. The special sports month of October ends today, and my highlight of the week was last night's epic Cubs World Series win. Uh, just so many memories for me personally watching an elimination game from Wrigley Field with the uh, great shots of the fans, the nervous fans in the stands, uh, biting their nails and whatnot. And uh, it just reminds me, of course, of where I was 12 years ago, practically to the day, which was, uh, you know, at Fenway Park in 2004 during that postseason, specifically Game 5 of the ALCS. Uh, when they were mounting their comeback from down 3-0 against the Yankees. Uh, maybe the greatest sports event I've ever attended in my life. That was the height of the Red Sox curse. And that was the game that uh, Ortiz tied in the bottom of the eighth and won it in the 14th with a single, singling in Johnny Damon, tied it with a homer, by the way. And uh, in the eighth, and it was uh, the game where you may remember where Tim Wakefield was throwing knuckleballs that were getting past Jason Veritek, not his normal catcher at the time. That was Doug Mirabelli was his knuckleball catcher. So A-Rod circling the bases on these past balls. And bottom line, that game was basically from the 8th to the 14th, something that sounds like 100 to 200 pitches and every single pitch you had to exhale. And everybody in Fenway was doing exactly what everybody in Wrigley was doing last night. Uh, you know, the pursuit of breaking the curse brings out the drama and the emotions like nothing before. And again, as I watched last night, I just couldn't help but think back uh, to where I was 12 years ago for those postseason games. It was priceless. And last night was priceless. Uh you know, they certainly had a three-day party out there in Wrigleyville. Great to see people like Bill Murray, Vince Vaughn, John Cusack in attendance. Uh, obviously, the Cavaliers rained on their parade a bit, winning Friday and Saturday night. But what a weekend in Chicago. And uh, let's not forget, Cleveland also has its own curse going on. The, the Indians themselves haven't won since 1948. So that's... Uh, you know, that's 52, 16, uh, 68 years without a World Series title. The inverse of the Red Sox when they had the 86-year curse. So uh, Cleveland ought to be pretty interesting tomorrow night, to say the least. And since I don't really have a horse in the race, uh, what I want to see, like I'm guessing most people in America that are not Cubs or Indians fans, uh, Game 7, bring it on. I think that would just be a border on an all-time classic. I really do. So uh, we'll see what develops. But we at least got a Game 6, which I was rooting for last night. Um, and now we'll just see what happens. Well, my bizarre story of the week, 
was for the first time since 1997. Uh, there was a, the second tie in two weeks, back-to-back weeks with the Bengals and Skins uh, yesterday in London, uh, following up the Cardinals-Seahawks tie from last week. I guess all I can say there is, uh, you know, it was the first overtime game, NFL game ever played in London. They've had, uh, you know, a couple of dozen or so over the past number of years. Uh, I guess all I would say is that the fans in London, since it's really in many ways the soccer capital of the world, uh, they're used to ties. So it must not have seemed all that unusual to them as unusual as it seems to us uh but crazy two ties in two weeks uh really really a highly highly unusual development and speaking of that game my low light of the week was josh norman going off after the game on the referee uh by name um that's just not something you, you you see too often, and he really went off. Uh, it almost felt personal. So uh, that, that was really, again, you know, uh, out of the box, to put it mildly. And lastly, uh, my event of the week that I covered was last Monday night, Devin McCourty's Patriot Safety, his Tackle Sickle Cell Casino Night. It's simply one of the best uh player charity events I've ever attended. It was in downtown Boston. It was had a glamorous aspect to it with people really dressed up. And, uh, and then the highlight was towards the end of the evening as they were auctioning off live auction of uh, various items such as Bill Belichick hoodies, various player jerseys, whatnot. Uh, Devin McCourty was the auctioneer, and he was doing a fabulous job. But then he brought up uh, Deron Harmon, who was just terrific. What a great personality. He's a, a member of the defensive backfield for the Patriots. And then uh, big-time personality, Martellus Bennett, was brought up, and he just elevated the whole evening. He instantly called for music and was doing live auctions and dancing with people as they were winning their bids on stage. So the three of them, Devin McCourty, Deron Harmon, and Martellus Bennett, were just absolutely fabulous, fun-loving, and it was just one of the best things I've seen ever from NFL players interacting with the crowd, having fun, and it was just really, really some very special stuff. So hats off to Devin McCourty. And uh, and I was honored to be there and to just have a great night uh, covering it. So now let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. So don't go anywhere. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Join Matt Fish and Alex Clancy every week for Rebound Radio. We'll talk with the legends of basketball about how they got started, their rise to the top of the game, how basketball has changed their lives, and what they're up to now. Just like the game itself, you'll find that lives can pivot on a dime. 
There can be last-minute saves, and life is anything but run-of-the-mill. Rebound Radio can be heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You won't want to miss the next show. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports, and I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. It's that time of the show, and we often have guests, and on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., how are you doing today? Hey, John, doing very well. Glad to be here. Well, we're glad to have you as always, and uh, you had quite a weekend, and we're all waiting to hear about it. <laughs> yeah, John, had a, this is my bye week. Alabama was not playing, so I always like to visit a game with maybe two teams potentially that could be in the college football playoff or maybe some Heisman candidates. Well, we had uh, uh, both of those things in Tallahassee with Clemson and their their outstanding quarterback Deshaun Watson and Dalvin Cook is a who's a candidate as well. Not in contention to be in the playoffs, but, but uh, Clemson for sure is an undefeated and one of those four teams has been spoken about since the since the first game. So yeah, I was thrilled to be there and it was quite a ball game. It looked like Clemson was going to roll them early. John they went up fourteen nothing, two drives, uh, the first two possessions, and but. Florida State came back, and next thing you know, it's 17-14 at halftime. Yeah, well, it was a great game. I watched it, uh, you know, back and forth with the World Series that night, but it was just uh, certainly near the end of the game, I was glued to Florida State and Clemson. Great atmosphere, just, again, just a fabulous game back and forth at the end. Uh I loved it. It must have just been electric. It looked like that Florida State crowd was just off the charts. Yeah, they really came to play ball. I mean, Dalvin Cook, they couldn't stop him, John. He had a big right. night, uh, 169 yards rushing, four TDs. He went up in the record book at Florida State. I think he's got 37 or 38 rushing touchdowns now, just behind the leader, uh, so he, he's quite a quite a ball player, and of course Deshaun Watson he had that fourth quarter drive to put his team ahead. So there was a lot of magical moments that they'll relive and Clemson folklore and a lot of near misses on the Florida State side, especially at the end when they had some penalties when they were trying to get in position to kick a tying field goal. Correct. Well, again, some kind of controversial calls going on. I mean, just really a pretty crazy last few minutes of the game. 
been that kind of year for Florida State, though. They've just been coming out on the short end of these things after years and years of coming out on the right end of these things. Yes, at the end of the game, Jimbo Fisher, he definitely was upset about uh, the chop block call against his team, and he had a few words for the officials, very strong sentiment coming from him, and of course he'll be fined uh, for those comments. But it didn't lose him the game, I don't think, John. Uh, you know, there was plenty of time enough to come back, and, you know, they just made quite a few mistakes there at the end. They, they would have had a chance for that field goal. But but uh, Dabble Sweeney, he's, he swears by his quarterback. You know, he thinks he's a great ball player, and he's led his team to victory in tight ball games, uh, an unbelievable amount of, of uh, situations. So they were happy to get out with a victory. Yeah, well, I think it might have been Deshaun Watson's Heisman moment. I really do. I mean, well, yeah, that was the question I had. Po- I posed to that, I sure posed him that. I asked him the question: Was that your quarterback's Heisman game and fourth quarter drive moment? And he went on to tell me that those decisions are made by other people, but he he wouldn't trade it from any any other quarterback in the country. Yeah, I mean, you know, we all like. Uh, we all like Deshaun Watson. I mean, he's just an impressive young man, but uh, and he's already, you know, had some close games that he's won late this year. And, you know, I just think that he, he needed that, you know, Heisman moment, and, and he got it. I mean, if, if it doesn't happen, he's out. I'm not saying the fact that it happened gives him the Heisman, but he had to have it to st- remain in that race. And... Uh, you know, and he did it. I mean, he produced, and uh, you know, it's not the first time. I mean, let's not forget the Louisville game, just not that long ago, and on and on and on. Uh, the man produces, you know, in the tightest situations, which to me is the true, you know, mark of a Heisman winner. And uh, and yeah, I I, I just think uh, you know, it did, it did huge ratings. So that's what this is about in the end. When you're talking Heisman on a Saturday night national stage. And uh, and he performed on the road, no less. So I think he's now got that in his back pocket. We'll see where it all leads. But, you know, he had to have it, and now he has it. Yes, he had an up-and-down season, John. But so far in those crucial moments against Louisville and Florida State, he's performed well and, and led his team to victory. So Heisman voters, uh, they're looking for those key drives, especially in the fourth quarter. And this one was on the road, John. So that's a big plus if you're looking for a candidate. Correct. Plus he carries in, you know, his performance in the national championship game last year, which was stellar. And, uh, you know, we'll see where it all leads. And, you know, the amazing thing is, is that, you know, they won, but we could have had, uh, you know, they could have been one of a large group of undefeateds that fell this weekend. I mean, it's a stunning weekend when you think about it, maybe the weekend of the year, uh, Nebraska, Baylor, West Virginia, and Boise State all lost this weekend. And, you know, so I guess my first conclusion is simply that, like, uh, this could make the committee's job real easy because right now there's an easy top four, you know, which we all expect to see tomorrow night uh, for the first one, first vote of the year. Um yeah, it's just so obvious. Uh, you know, Alabama, Clemson, Washington, and Michigan. I mean, 
with those others dropping out, losing their first game, it just seems like it's uh, it's a slam dunk for now, right? Yeah, John, the committee has an easy decision for their first show, I believe, as you stated. <clears throat> Things can get a little bit more complicated as the number of undefeated teams dwindle. Correct. Correct. Well, you know, really, I mean, I don't know how I feel about it. There's something to be said with having a clean slate for the four, at least for tomorrow, for this week. But, you know, there's also, you know, college football is built upon, you know, the pillars of, you know, people like the WVUs and the Baylors, people that have sore, you know, power five members, but, you know, sort of on the outside, typically looking in, but yet, Enough that they can give, you know, make an argument for themselves uh, if they would have remained undefeated. But that's not the case, you know. Again, for for this week, the path is screamingly obvious uh, as to the top four. And if it finishes up that way, and those four remain undefeated, uh, I think it would be a wonderful thing, to say the least. Uh, yeah, I think it would just be. There's something to be said for a consensus top four as well. Yeah, I think so, John. People like to have that that sense of anticipation at the end of the year where, where all those teams are clean with a zero on one side, no losses, no ties. And there's some of those uh, those uh, schools they have not met in a while. For instance, uh, I think the last time Alabama played Washington is about 30 years ago and the Sun Bowl, if I recall. And, of course, they played Michigan not too long ago. And, of course, Alabama Clemson played last year for the championship. But uh, I think that would be a, a good representation of college football coming from all uh, sections of the country if, if those four were the final teams. Exactly. And, you know, let me just say here, give a shout-out to Washington. I watched that game against Utah. And if, if Deshaun Watson had his Heisman moment, Washington had their team moment down on the road to a very high-quality team and who was giving them all they could handle, that being Utah, of course. And, again, they just rose to the occasion with exciting plays to win the game, game-winning plays. Uh, so I think if there were any doubts, they were erased, and they did it in the perfect time slot on a Saturday afternoon at, like, early evening. So, you know... My, uh, a lot of people got to see him that maybe hadn't seen him before at you know midnight on a Friday or Saturday night with, as they're beating people like Oregon and Stanford. Uh, Utah's a quality team. Uh, again, you know, had their hands full but found a way to win. And uh, I, I think Washington firmly, firmly entrenched themselves as deserving of the top four for now. Yeah, John, they showed effectiveness in all three phases of the game. Those are the teams that scare you if they're, you're, they're, you're the opposing head coach. And that punt return and that victory, people got to see that replay over and over early uh, rather than later. Um, right. Most, you know, most of the times those games are way past everyone's bedtime, but they got to review that many, many times on the course of the day on Saturday. That's exactly right. Well said, AP. I mean, these things, you know... They matter. They matter big time. I mean, we're both East Coast people, and you know, uh, you know, we just know what it means. And you know, they just so often, you know, you wake up sa- Sunday morning, you see some result from the West Coast, and before you can even digest it, you know, you, you 
it's on to NFL football and you just never really like catch up as to what exactly happened. I mean, that's just been going on forever. Uh, so I, I think, you know, that's why I think the time slot and the quality of the game and the comeback is just the best thing that could have happened to Washington. I really believe that. Yeah, it's super important for that Pac-12 to have those games earlier, uh, especially now that Washington's in contention. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any jeopardy, John, if they go undefeated, they would not be included in that four. Um, if they have a no. loss, you know, all bets are off, of course. But if they continue their stretch of undefeated play, they'll be in that final four. I agree 100%. You know, we both know Washington or Oregon and Stanford are having down years. But, you know, they still rang up 70 on Oregon, which nobody's done to my, you know, in a long time. And then Stanford, bad year, but nonetheless quality quality program. I mean, it's a good win no matter how you look at it, despite the year that Stanford's having. And again, anytime you go into Oregon, Autzen Stadium, and ring up 70 on the Ducks, the way they have to so many teams over the years, the Ducks themselves... That's an attention-getting victory, no matter what Oregon finishes up with, uh, you know. So that got them rolling, and you know, I, I like the thought of Washington being in there. You know, it's just it's nice to have someone that isn't typically there. Oh, I, I uh, love it, John. I, I love to see yeah, the Huskies I love get it back in the in the thick of the of the playoff hunt because uh, they play a nice brand of football, and, and and you like to see all parts of the country represented. Exactly, exactly. And, of course, I like their coach. You know, we mentioned Boise State, you know, falling from the undefeated over the weekend. Of course, Washington's coach is Chris Peterson, who basically built the Boise State program. Uh, no, you know, no small chore, shall we say, what he did there out there to basically bring them into the national consciousness. And uh, so, yeah, so, you know. He's got quite a resume in and of himself, and just an interesting story to me because, you know, he leaves Boise State. He kind of quietly builds that program for a couple of years, and then, boom, this year they just burst onto the scene. Yeah, John, you you always thought that when Chris Peterson took over the program, he would get things done. You just weren't sure how many years it would take for him to build that program that he's a good football coach, as he's shown at Boise and now at Washington, and that program could be the the best in the, in the conference for years to come with him at the helm. Exactly right. And, uh, you know, it's funny because there was, you know, one or two occasions over the past couple of years where I kind of, you know, Washington would cross, cross my radar for one reason or another, and I would say, oh, you know, uh, I wonder how Chris Peterson's doing with them out there. You know, is nothing because again they did kind of lay low. Yes. Uh, well, I, I think we're finding out this year, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the and the rest of the season, you know, there, there's some competitive games. Uh, they have to go to Cal uh, this this weekend, and you know they're usually a high powered offense. Anything can happen down at Berkeley. Then the Trojans, the mighty Trojans, come. Washington, Seattle, Washington, and uh, they have Arizona State, and then they have to go to the Palouse for their rival game against Washington State, who's having a good year. Right, and Coach Mike Leach, uh, who I've interviewed on this show before, and uh, interesting fellow, to put it mildly, but 
I'll say one thing about Washington. They have the nicest stadium setting, I think, in the country. That stadium sitting on Puget Sound is just, like, unbelievable looking. Yeah, I've always wanted to see Alabama go back to Seattle to play against them. It's a fantastic setting, as you mentioned, and uh, maybe that day will come down the road. Who knows? But uh, you're correct in saying people should try to try to make it. To, if they do make it to Seattle, to attend a Washington Husky football game. Yes, that looks like literally a bucket list item. It looks just so beautiful. Um, well, AP, good start to our college football discussion. We have a lot more to get to, and we'll do that on the other side of this break. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show... The call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. You can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., I know you were in Tallahassee for the Clemson FSU game, and we did touch on that in the previous segment, but it sounds like there was a little more going on than just the game itself, by the way. Yeah, John. When a person enters the College Football Hall of Fame, the National Football Foundation actually visits the campus and they bring that player to honor them at halftime. And Derek Brooks, the great linebacker from Florida State, is going to be is with the class of 2016. So Matthew Sign from the National Football Foundation was present and they honored him at halftime. And so that was nice to to see him get a round of applause and for all the great things he did at the Seminole. And also they had the Heisman House there, and Charlie Ward spoke to the crowd and signed autographs, and you could pose at the Heisman House with with the actual trophy and get your picture. So that was a lot of fun as well. Really? That's pretty cool. I love those commercials. I think we all do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. well, 
so the Heisman House is a real, is is a house. Well, it's an actually uh, constructed brick-like looking building, and it's not bricks, of course, but it, it it's actually they they bring it around the country. Um, they had it in Tuscaloosa, they had it in Oxford, Mississippi. Well, yeah, it's uh, again. I love those Heisman House commercials. Uh, the most recent one with uh, Tim Tebow having a dream, acting like a rock star is, is hilarious. They're all hilarious. They're just they kind of have that uh, Sports Center uh, commercial touch to them. Um, understated, not a lot said, um, but what they have is funny. Of course. Being up here in Boston, Doug Flutie uh, appears on many of them, and uh, so everybody in Boston loves Doug Flutie. Uh, I covered him back in the day when he won the Heisman at BC, and uh, so yeah, but you know, Derrick Henry, Marcus Mariota, on and on, George Rogers, uh, Danny Werfel, uh, you know, they just have a great group in there. Uh, so it's pretty cool. I did not know that they brought the Heisman house around the country to various stadiums. sounds like it must be almost like a, uh, uh, like a rock concert, the way they build a stage for rock concerts. For instance, I saw Bruce Springsteen at Gillette just recently and, uh, and they had a massive stage, much bigger than the Heisman house. So so, AP, that sounds pretty cool that the Heisman House is actually, uh, you know, brought around to these various campuses. Uh, I had no idea. Yeah, I, I don't know where they're headed next, John, but uh, if you get a chance, uh, make sure you visit. If you're out there on a Saturday, it's really a lot of fun and <clears throat> to get your, your picture with the Heisman Trophy. So just so I'm clear, it, it's actually like a house you can, quote, a house you can walk into. It's not like just a, a facade. It, well, it, it's, it, it is, I guess it is like a facade, you know what I mean? But it is covered over, but it's not bricks, of course. But it's, uh, I think, some type of plastic material that looks like a brick from the outside. If you take a photo and you show it to your friends, it says, oh, that's a brick house. And you'll say, no, no, it looks like a brick house, but it's not. Okay, so it's like you walk in, you like walk in a front door, but when you walk in the front door, there's like, you're in an enclosed area, but it yep. doesn't really look like the inside of a house. Is that accurate? Yes, yes, right. That's correct. Yeah, they have uh, uh, the tables that are, that are elevated, so you know the Heisman Trophy uh, winner. Maybe if they're present that day, they sit up on a table, and people walk up onto the stage to you know sign an autograph, or and then the Heisman Trophy itself is uh, elevated. So you walk up on a little stage and take a photo. Huh. So were there any Heisman winners there? Yeah, Charlie Ward was there, and. and and Charlie, they actually interviewed him. Uh, one of the ESPN personalities had a Q and A session, and Charlie was entertaining. And he's, you know, he's a very gracious person, Charlie. And so he spoke to all those people from Florida State and Clemson. They really enjoyed his his conversation. I'm sure. Well, uh, the uh, I heard Charlie Ward interviewed on the radio last last week. He was great and. Let's never forget, as good as he was for Florida State and the Heisman winner, he also uh, uh, was a tremendous point guard. He actually played for the Knicks, right? He sure did, and 
He played, I think, 11 years, and he might have played, I think, a little bit for the Spurs in Houston at the tail end of his career. But, yeah, he played a long time in New York City. Sure did. Yes, so tremendous athlete. I mean, there's really just a handful of people who've played two major league sports. I had the good fortune to see uh, Deion Sanders play uh, in Pawtucket, the home of the Red Sox minor league team, AAA affiliate. Pawtucket, Rhode Island, and uh, yeah, so T- it was great. I went down, obviously, to see Deion Sanders play <laughs> baseball, and and there, it was just amazing to watch. So a rare event. Bo Jackson, of course, is maybe the poster child for all of it, and there's been some others over the years, but yes. Charlie Ward is in that elite group. Yeah, Charlie, Heisman Trophy winner, but NBA player professionally. So, yeah, he and I always, I always enjoy my conversations when I can't get a chance to visit with him. And and he's, he's well-beloved in that community. And he, he's coaching high school football over in Pensacola now. And right. his son, yeah, son plays for him. I'm not sure what position, but he has some. Uh, I know one talented player that had, has committed to Alabama by a chance, uh, offensive lineman, Alex Leatherwood. Yeah, and that's exactly what he was talking about on the radio interview I heard was his uh, coaching high school football. Now, Pensacola, is that where Emmett Smith is from? He's from Pensacola, and, and so is uh, Derek Brooks. Really? Wow. Uh, do you know if he's coaching the same high school, Charlie Ward, as those, as those guys went to or no? I don't. He coaches Booker T. Washington, and I don't think Derek went there. Uh, Emmett went to Scambia High School there in Pensacola. So yeah, I don't think Derek went there. All right. And speaking of Derek Brooks, I'm glad you brought him back up because uh, he's truly one of the good guys. Uh, you know, he was on that Tampa Bay Bucks Super Bowl team. I mean, of 2002, they basically built, in my mind, the Bucks around him. Um, you know, him and, of course, Warren Sapp. Tony Dungy was the coach. Well, John Gruden was the coach the Super Bowl year, but as the, but Tony Dungy built the team that ended up winning the Super Bowl under John Gruden uh, after Tony Dungy left. And But, you know, and his charitable works are near legendary down there in, in the Tampa Bay area. I've interviewed him on the phone before. And truly, uh, one of the more impressive people ever to play college and NFL. Yeah, he's not very big, John, as you know, but he's very right. fast and smart, and, and he anticipated the play. You know, he was very good at studying the game of football, and he was always around the always around the ball, and good tackler, and fantastic leader. He was. I mean, truly. Uh, a legendary player, you know, by any stretch of the imagination. And, uh, you know, speaking of legendary players, we also had, again, you know, a legendary program. Nebraska played in an unbelievable game against Wisconsin. Uh, they lost their first game of the year, went into overtime. That was just great theater, that game as well, from uh, Camp Randall up in Wisconsin. They've played some high-profile games in Wisconsin this year, that's for sure. Yeah, they sure have, John, and it's been exciting for those fans, the Badger fans. Uh, Nebraska, were, they were undefeated. They had not, beated, had not beaten uh, any strong opponents, I don't believe. So this is a big test. It, it went to overtime, and they just fell a little bit short. 
They did. They did. It was great. Uh, you know, let's not forget Wisconsin opened the season beating LSU at Lambeau Field. Then they had that great game with Ohio State just a couple of weeks ago. And then this was a great game. And, uh, you know, and great side story of how Mike Riley, the Nebraska coach, and Paul Chris, the Wisconsin coach, they've been friends for forever. And they're, and I think Mike Riley has brought Paul Christ along with him throughout his career. And lo and behold, they face each other in uh, an ultra high profile game, to put it mildly. And, and student beat the mentor. <laughs> right, right. And John, uh, Mike, he, he's actually a former Alabama defensive back. You know, he didn't play a lot, but his, his uncle was Hayden Riley, basketball and baseball coach at Alabama. Mike's, wow. born in, Mike's born in the Northwest. His dad was a football coach. I think Mike's actually born in Idaho, but kind of raised in Corvallis. His dad coached up there, and and, and I think his dad coached up in Canada, as did Mike at, at a time or two. But he's, he's the gentleman of college football, probably Mike Riley. He's, he's, he's well-respected by his peers, and he, he has a, a unique style. You don't see him get too rambunctious on the sideline, and I've heard either in practice as well. So, uh, but he's got a, you know, he's trying to turn that program around, and there's no rest for the weary. They have to uh, get on the plane and go to Columbus, Ohio, to play the Buckeyes. Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't get any easier. And he came to Nebraska from a long tenure at Oregon State. Is that correct? Yeah, he he actually I think was there, and then went to coach. Um, the pro ball at San Diego, and I think he went back to oh, Oregon right. State. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, and like you said, so but he's from there. If I heard yeah, you correctly, yeah, he kind of he born up in the Northwest, and he, uh, for those who don't know, he was actually offered to, the job to coach Alabama after the um, one time they were looking for the coach. They hired ended up hiring Mike Shula, but it was after the Mike Price affair, I believe, that he was offered the position to coach Alabama. And he, and he turned right. it down. Yeah, turned it down. Wow. Well, he was smart enough not to turn down Nebraska, which I think <laughs> is a good move. I mean, let's face it, you know. Yeah. There's only a few programs that are, quote, legendary that, you know, if they come calling, you don't say no. And Nebraska and certainly Alabama are, are among that small group. Yeah, and I think the trick for Mike now is to develop that recruiting base. I mean, in the the glory years, John, I mean, they went to California. They were really a coast-to-coast uh, recruiting base years ago. It was California. They'd get players from New Jersey, you know, Mike Rozier, for instance, and uh, Irving, Irving Fryer. Fryer. Irving Fryer, right. And then they'd yep. go down to Texas. They'd go down to New Orleans area, Louisiana. They'd get players from Florida, uh, Tommy Frazier. Uh, yeah, they mean they got way back Jerry Taggy up from Green Bay, Wisconsin. It was their quarterback, national championship year, seventy seventy one, I think. Uh, so, so now I'm not sure. I mean, I haven't studied their program uh, in the past few years, but you have to develop that recruiting base, and because there's not a lot of players in the state of Nebraska, and every everyone has upgraded their football program, so it's hard to go into these various states and, and pluck out the top players. Yes, and as we close out this segment, let's not forget, Nebraska has uh, the longest sold-out streak in American sports. I think they've sold out every game since 1962, assuming they have this year, and I can't imagine they haven't. They've been undefeated. 
Because <laughs> uh, I, I, and I say that because I read a little thing in the summer that said like the, there was some concern about whether or not they sell out on the assumption that they did sell out. They've sold out Memorial Stadium every game since '62, which I believe is a figure that sounds like 280 straight. Wow. So uh, when we're talking power program. We're talking real power program here. It's uh, you know so and loyal and loyal and loyal. Well said, uh, <laughs> AP. Good job on this segment. And uh, why don't we take our final break? Still have a little bit more to get to on the other side. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Check your feelings at the door and enter the man cave. Don't let the name fool you because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and friends are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the man cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. And before we get started, my pick of the week for appointment viewing is Game 6 tomorrow night of the World Series. Cubs and Indians as the Indians go to break their 68-year streak without winning a World Series. And we all know that the Cubs are trying to stay alive to break their 108-year-old curse. A.P., i got to ask you, watching any of the World Series at all? Well, a little bit, John. I, I get a chance to tune in once in a while, but, of course, it's going to be great for one of those cities, the long drought, and anything can happen in baseball, as we've seen, especially in these last 10 years. So it should be exciting. Yes. Well, last night was exciting. i got to tell you, I mean, uh, I've been tuned in. You know, I always enjoy the po- po- postseason baseball, but, you know, as I said at the top of the show, last night was a real you know, memory for me is they're showing, uh, you know, all the fans biting their nails. It just took me back to hard to believe uh, uh, 12 years ago at Fenway Park when the Red Sox were breaking their curse and the drama, the tension. Uh, game five of the ALCS when they were coming back from down 3-0 against the Yankees may be the greatest sports event I've ever attended. So when baseball is good and you like drama, it doesn't get much better, and I got the feeling tomorrow night 
is going to be something special and you know the cubs win and we go to game seven i think that is really going to be <laughs> a records <laughs> a record-breaking event i really yeah, believe I that so. yeah, yeah i think so john especially the crowds in the midwest i mean and of course everybody who's not from cleveland they're probably rooting for the cubs i guess is a sentimental favorite I mean, there's really two sentimental favorites in this World Series, one more than the other, I guess, which is hard to believe. Well, exactly. I mean, there's no loser. Like, you, you, no. you can't really dislike either team if, no. You're, no. If, if you're not a fan of one or the other. No. And, again, I mean, you know, Wednesday night, they're going to own the stage. By that, I mean they're not going up against any football. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, I, I think we'll be looking at, you know, really uh, a, a genuine uh, record-breaking rating. I, I truly believe that. I mean, who who does not tune into that game? It's yeah, just that sport, simple. Yeah, if you're a sports fan, you're going to watch that World Series, uh, especially those two programs. And having one, you just want to see the celebration from either side, and it, it should be great. I mean, they 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 did very well last night in the ratings. I guess they beat the NFL football game. Absolutely. Last night was again. This was high drama. This was a one-run game. Pretty much throughout, it was always close throughout. Cubs overcame a lead. I mean, when they went down one nothing, given how the first two games went in Wrigley, you just thought, oh boy, this could be it, because their bats had been silent. So I give the Cubs a lot of credit. They could have died. They didn't. And, uh, you know, Araldis Chapman, for those last, you know, two and two-thirds innings, the last eight outs, that again, that was like 2004 stuff. That really was uh, Red Sox going for it, uh, uh, and each pitch is bigger than the previous. You know, it's just <laughs> yeah, drama right. builds. Uh, it's rare. You just don't get that too often. You're lucky if you get it once a decade. Where and we we got that last night. And if I said each pitch builds, <laughs> well, each game <laughs> obviously builds. <laughs> so. I'm excited. Yeah, that was a rare event last night. It was quite an effort. Sure was. Yeah, well, I didn't have any plans for tomorrow night, but if I did, I'd have canceled them. And I certainly <laughs> don't have any plans for Wednesday night again. I mean, just to close it out, who, if the Cubs win tomorrow night, anybody with even the mildest, mildest interest in sports, you have to watch Game 7 to see, most importantly, the storyline, obviously, is will the Cubs break their 108-year curse, which would be great to see. But if they don't, the flip side are the wind, the Indians breaking their 68-year curse at home. So it's a win either way as far as viewership. Yeah, there's a feel-good story in there on either side. Correct, correct. So I guess all it means is I'm rooting for Game 7. So I guess that <laughs> means I'm rooting for the Cubs tomorrow night. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think so. I think I like, so. I like, I like game sevens. I like to see those. I do myself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a good way of saying it, AP, to take it one step further. I mean, this could be in, in some ways like the ultimate game seven. It really could be, <laughs> you know, if you think about it. Um, but, AP, you know, one other school that lost, uh, you know, over the weekend that was undefeated, West Virginia, a team I used to cover, the Mountaineers, uh, having a great season. Uh, you know, they just ran into a buzzsaw at Oklahoma State. Not a shocker. Oklahoma State's a quality program, and boy, they 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 were certainly you know in it to win it on Saturday. That's for sure. 
Yeah, John, I had read and heard that West Virginia was playing pretty good defense. It, they gave up 37 in that loss, uh, only able to score 20. So I know that was disheartening for all the Mountaineer fans. Uh, I was hoping that one of those Big 12 teams would go undefeated just to see what would happen if there were ended up, let's say, five uh, undefeated teams for the college football uh, playoff selection can even make a choice. You want to see some of that, uh, you know, activity happening and make it really interesting at the end. Well, exactly, exactly. And just looking ahead, uh, big game this Saturday in uh, in Baton Rouge, right? Yeah, John, it's the usual November knockdown drag-out affair between Alabama and LSU. Uh, LSU's been revived with the interim coach of Ed Orgeron. He, the team has been scoring more points. They seemed a little bit more relaxed. Leonard Fournette came back and had a record-setting night against Ole Miss, school record. He was knocking people down, and uh, I think that one play on the sideline, he ran to his left, and when he he uh, just bulldozed that defensive back, the game was over. Um so Alabama's going to have to contend with Leonard Fournette. They've, they've shut him down under 100 yards two straight, two straight years. I think last year was the neighborhood of 40 yards. At one point it was 13 carries, 13 yards. I don't know if they could do it a third time. Their quarterback's playing uh, fairly well. They don't ask them to do very much, but you have to incorporate the passing game. If you're going to beat Alabama, they're number one against the rush or right up there. Um, I haven't checked this week's statistics after the, you know, they had the bye week, but I don't know if you can just line up and whip Alabama. Uh, Ohio State did that in the, in the Sugar Bowl or the playoff game a few years back, but it's been rare that somebody's just had the game plan to run over Alabama and be successful. Well, exactly. Uh, obviously a dangerous game for Alabama. Um, you know, LSU has nothing to lose given the year they've had, meaning let, letting less miles go early in the season. Uh, and now Leonard Fournette's back. Uh, you, you know, they have nothing to lose. They're going to play loose before the usual rabid crowd. Uh, that, that, that's going to be good stuff on Saturday night. No yeah, doubt yeah. about it. Yeah, primetime game on CBS. Uh, you're, you're wondering how Alabama's freshman quarterback will play <laughs> down at uh, Tiger Stadium, Death Valley. And, you know, Alabama's had quite a bit of success through, through, through the years, but LSU has always... State. Anytime I speak about Alabama and LSU, they're twin brothers physically. It's just a question of what the head coach will do on that given uh, evening or afternoon. Exactly. Well, it's going to be fascinating to watch. And AP, as always, uh, great work today. We appreciate your perspective. And uh, it feels like college football is really rolling now with the uh, first committee selection rating tomorrow so here we go for the final uh for november which is going to be great theater as always well thank you john it's always my pleasure all right and voice america listeners thank you all for listening to all around sports and we look forward to doing it all again next monday at 1 p.m eastern time Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. And we'll talk sports again next week.